This episode is proudly sponsored by Podcorn. Tacos, as you may have noticed, we've gotten a few sponsors under our belts, and that's thanks to Podcorn. Podcorn is an amazing marketplace connecting podcasters to sponsorship opportunities, such as host read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. Not only am I able to pitch to potential sponsors, but Podcorn has connected us with opportunities as well. Better yet, there is no middleman. We collaborate directly with brands and podcasters of all audience sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform and set their own rates. Podcorn is here to support us at every step to ensure that we're protected and compensated for our work that we do for our brands. Podcorn is perfect for us because of the transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when we monetize. If you're also a podcaster, click the link in my show notes to sign up for Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities. Hey, John, can you please cover the Susan Powell disappearance and murder case for me? The Mormon mother of two has still never been found, and it's assumed that her husband murdered her and then took her and their two sons up somewhere and buried her. The husband said he took the kids camping, and when detectives questioned the children, one said, quote, Mommy was in the trunk. This case is surely to make you lose faith in humanity. Also, I'm like seriously addicted to this podcast. Love your number one Taco Supremo, Stacy. Welcome back to another episode of Talk Murder to Me. Uh, it's a very big week here for Talk Murder to Me. It is Savannah's birthday today on Ooh. our recording evening. Happy birthday, Savannah. Savannah is one of our top Taco Supremos, and she is also the host of The Missing Podcast. Um, and also, it's Jen's birthday this week. Both of you guys are celebrating your last year of your 20s. Mm. Welcome. It sucks. Can't wait to celebrate by drinking. Yeah. Speaking of drinks, uh, John gave us a very last minute hint this evening. And luckily, we actually had all the ingredients. So um, that rarely happens. So tonight we are drinking the dinosaur. Let's take an obligatory first sip here. You know, as someone who wanted to be a paleontologist growing up, I'm very excited about this drink. You wanted to be Ross Geller? No, I wanted to be a paleontologist. I know Ross Geller is... But is that how you got it, subconsciously? No, I was like seven. And we, my parents took me to the... Friends was out then. Yeah, but I didn't understand it. I wasn't allowed to watch it when I was that young. <gasps> so it is vodka, gin, rum, melon liqueur... And sour mix and a little bit of sparkling water because we did not have Sprite. I like it. You'd be, I'm surprised that there's that much alcohol in here. All right, guys. So we have two new Taco Supremos. Oh. Maybe even three. I think we have three, but I can only see two in here. I'm pretty sure we have three. So thank you so much for joining Nikki and Laura. Hey, guys. Nikki says, hey, y'all, my name is Nikki, obviously, and I'm from 
Virginia, or no, Virginia. <laughs> My friend Julie and I are always talking about the latest podcast finds, and I stumbled across you guys. You have become my go-to for all things murder and mayhem. Even my husband, Scott, enjoys your show, mainly because of the stupid shit John says. Yes. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> what it's fun f- for everyone. I'm surprised it doesn't say stupid shit that Jen says. Are you sure it's not a typo? And I'm just reading that now, so I just saw that. <laughs> He's and like, wait, I'm says, insulted. <laughs> then she says, I say that with affection. P.S. John is my favorite. So uh, thank you so much. That's so sweet. I do. I think um, the mail helps uh, the the dudes able to listen to you. I know we've got a lot of our our Taco Supremos love your willingness to go gruesome, John. So thanks for that, for letting us lose our lunches. And Laura says, okay, let me start by saying I already wrote a really informative intro and then ignored the fact that my phone was at 1%. Oh, I hate it when that happens. And it died. Yeah. The worst. So I am Laura, and I have suddenly realized I have no life, and I'm having to pay people to talk to me. Oh, no. Laura, we're best friends. I'll talk to you for free, Laura. Yeah. So I am a single mom servant of a nine-year-old girl and six-year-old boy. (laughs) They keep me incredibly busy, but they are the coolest little people in the world. That's sweet. And she wrote a lot more stuff, too. So go to the forum if you're a Talkos Primo. And you can read what she has to say. Oh, uh, one last thing. P.S. John is my favorite. Oh, well, there you go. Wow. That's two for me. Did Did you just add that one in there? So thank you, guys, both Nicole and Laura. Can't wait to talk to you guys on the Facebook forum. hey see you there. We got a ton of new subscribers to the podcast and a couple new Talco Supremos, and we're really, really excited. So thank you guys so much. And the last bit of news, Nicole and I put together a serial killer quiz for you guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've had a lot of people take it so far. and Pretty tough. Yeah, it's pretty lie. tough. I got 100. Mm. I would hope so, Jen. So be sure to go to the Facebook page, or you can find that on the website. I'm putting a link for it there. And I got to say, a lot of people are taking it. I don't actually see the names or anything else, but I do see that people are taking it. And the the average score is 5 out of 10. Oof. And that is a tough quiz. Yeah, it's really tough. There's a couple 8s in there, and there's even a few 10s, but I'm pretty skeptical that they didn't look up the answers while they were taking it. Or that they're saying. not from around this table. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Because it is kind of a tough quiz. I mean, you you really have to be up on your true crime game to take the quiz. You would have had to have listened to, I think, every one of our episodes in order to get 100 on that quiz. Yeah. But a lot of people have been taking it, and mm-hmm. the results are coming in, and I'm telling you, they're not good. <laughs> I mean, most of them, most if, of them are five. This a lot was, of them. If this was a class, we would have to grade on a bell curve is what you're saying. Yeah. So like looking at right now, five out of 10, three out of 10, eight out of 10, five out of 10, three out of 10, six out of 10, two out of 10. Come Oof. on. What the hell? Noob. Oh, my God. Dude. Just kidding. We love you. Yeah. I want, I want someone to confess to that two out of 10 because that's pretty bad. Anyway, surprise shots, surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. Cheers. This is also green. 
That tasted like one of those uh, pops. Was it a Midori Sour Shooter? It was a Midori Sour Shooter. I really love Midori Sours because they kind of taste like Gatorade. Yeah, it it did. You should freeze those and it'd be like one of those pops. You got to put them in one of those little... um, The tubes? Tubes, yeah. Apparently you can make those tubes by um, like lighting a match, heating a blade, and then like kind of sealing... like you take a Ziploc bag and you can make oh. them by kind of sealing the strips. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So tonight I'm doing a special request from one of our Taco Supremos and really good friend, Stacy. Hey, Stacy. Hey, Stacy. And I'm going to kind of read what she wrote on the case. And I want you guys to try to guess what case it is. Now, this is a pretty famous case. Hmm. Very tragic. And the hint is dinosaur. Hey, John. You're my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, she just went out and said it. She didn't even have to add it at the end with a (laughs) P.S. And I would love to hear your take on this murder. Her body has still never been found. It's assumed that her husband murdered her and then took their two sons up somewhere and buried her. The two sons were very little at the time. The husband said that he took his kids camping in the winter, and when he came home, his wife was gone. The father-in-law also had some weird obsessions with her, too. Anything? No? Meaning, do we know the story? Yeah, do you know the story? It sounds familiar, but I can't place it. It's not the Vallow case, is it? No, we're not doing the Vallow case. Her parents later had custody of the two boys, and the husband had supervised visits. And I'm not going to go any further because it's going to give away the story. The book we're reading from tonight is a book by Greg Olson. Now, every time I see Greg Olson, I'm like, oh, damn it. I mean, he's a great writer, but he's the type that will take a true crime story and make it 600 pages (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> He's like the um what's the that author the McCullough Oh yeah, David McCullough. David McCullough, <laughs> the true one, crime the, Truman. Uh, yeah, Truman. It's like these guys like he wrote this David McCullough wrote this Truman book. I think it's David McCullough. Yes. Anyway, that thing is over a thousand pages for that one dude. Yeah. But whenever I see Greg Olson, I'm like, oh, oh my god, it's gonna be forever. And I was really happy to see that this book was only 390 pages that's still a big hunk of book <laughs> i know that's that's, a, that's some serious duty right there i mean I like anything over like 10 pages is a lot for me so okay so the story we are covering tonight is the susan powell case oh, you guys know that case the name sounds very familiar i think so but i i can't think of the details right this second it's a very tragic case we are going to the LDS community, the Latter-day Saints. Oh, hello. Mormons, the Mormon community here. She is a Mormon and her husband. So we're going to Utah? We are going to Utah, yeah, West Jordan. This husband and wife, they're not uh, the traditional Mormons that are around the area. Are they strict? Not, not. They're they're liberal. They're strict, but as I was reading more about Mormonism, it's almost like Orthodox Jews. Yeah. You know, they 
they dress a certain way. Mm-hmm. Orthodox Mormons do the polygamy, and that's the biggest thing. Oh, so are these polygamists? No, these are not polygamists oh, okay, okay. at all. Um, well, you know what was? I, I think we've I think we've covered a Mormon case once before, if I recall. Can't remember which one. We've done so many. You can think about this episode as a an overview of the whole case, and okay. I'm gonna go a little bit into the relationship. And stuff like that. And just kind of give you a primer. If you really want to expand on this case, and any true crime addict would probably want to, there's a podcast out there, which I didn't personally listen to at all. My research is coming from newspapers and the book that we're reading tonight. But there's a podcast called Cold. I don't know who produces it, but it's a huge true crime podcast. And it has got a lot of reviews, so I'm is guessing it a, it's really Is that good. a single story podcast? Yeah, it's a. Uh, the cold is just about this, Susan Powell. This is just about Susan Powell. Yeah, yeah. I've, he- I've heard that. And it's a uh, it's a name. huge podcast. I mean, and I was looking at the reviews. I haven't listened to it yet, but it seems like everyone likes it. So if this case really intrigues you, definitely go there to listen to it. So there was this book that I read that was really interesting. Um, I've definitely mentioned it before. It's called Educated. Yep. And I usually like fiction books, but this was a nonfiction book about, and it was like so crazy. It was about this girl's experience. Her family was Mormon, and but they were like crazy. So anytime I hear a case about Mormons, I'm always curious on the spectrum of, you know, Whenever, strictness. What do you mean they. crazy? Well, they she had, she had grown up. She was um, like in the mountains and her, I mean, her, her family was at, 100 percent abusive uh, but they didn't allow them to drink coke you know they they were very 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 sheltered i don't think they went to were allowed to go to school um there were two mormons in my um army unit and they were like that too they couldn't drink mm-hmm. coke really whenever yeah. i hear mormon i always think of they're the nicest people ever though the book of mormon mm. yeah i've heard i've heard they're yeah, they were like the Ni- nicest you know, freaking people ever. Mitt, uh, Mitt Romney is a Mormon. So is Danny Ainge. Okay, so throughout this story, Nicole's going to be reading quotes from Susan Powell. And these quotes don't come from her mouth exactly, but they come from emails. They come from diary entries. Uh, she goes missing uh-huh, uh-huh. under very ridiculous circumstances. Mm-hmm. And her journal is actually found in her desk at work. It's in a locked desk. She keeps her journal in there. Okay. So her husband, Josh. Doesn't see it. Doesn't see it. Ooh. That in itself is suspicious. They, yeah, exactly. So they retrieve the journal and a lot of these quotes, which we're going to be using to build up the character in the story tonight, come from that. Okay. Okay. So you can really see... What's going on in this house with these quotes from this diary? Okay, can I can I lead off with a question here? Yeah, How did uh, Susan and her husband meet? Because aren't they like kind of borderline-ish arranged no, marriages in Mormonism? That is the Orthodox Mor- Mormonism. Okay. And I'm not even sure that's true, so don't quote me on or that. Or it's like eh, mom and dad yeah. are going to set you up with a nice young man. They actually met at an LDS event, a singles event, and I'm going to get into that in a little bit. I'll get into their relationship here in a minute. Okay. Every moment I step back and take stock of what I'm dealing with, it feels like a never-ending cycle, but I'm too afraid of the consequences. 
losing my kids, him kidnapping them, divorce or actions worse on his part. Ooh, that's from her diary? Yeah, that's from Oof. that well, no, that's not from her diary. That's from an email that oh. she sent to a friend on July 5th, 2008. So if this is the first episode you're listening to, I put all my supporting documents and all my references and everything else on talkmurder.com. So so go there talkmurder.com and click the image with Susan Powell on there and you can see all the images that I'm showing the girls tonight so you can follow along with the story. But this right here is her journal. And there were hundreds of pages of journals. You know what's really weird? What? Her handwriting looks just like my handwriting. Like a lot like my handwriting. Well, this is probably a premonition of things to come in our (laughs) marriage. (laughs) I mean, it's like creepy. If you were to show this in front of me, I would think that that's me. Whoa. Yeah, it looks like mine, too. You mean all the thank you notes that I signed from you? <laughs> uh, that bottom section, dated June 28, 2008, as you see right there, goes like this. Quote, I bike to work daily and have been having extreme marital stress for about three or four years now. Wow. For mine and my children's safety, I feel the need to have a paper trail at work, which would not be accessible to my husband. Wow. Wow. She writes about the million-dollar life insurance policy that... He has on her? That he just (gasps) took out on her. Oh, my God. And she says, quote, this is from the journal, quote, if I die, it may not be an accident, even if it looks like one. Take care of my boys. Wow. That was dated June 28, 2008. Holy titties. That so, is quite the premonition there, girl. So let's get started a little bit with a timeline of this story. Sunday, December 6, 2009 is where we're going. West Jordan, Utah mm-hmm. with the Mormons and everything else. She takes her two sons. It's a Sunday, so they're going to church, obviously. Mm-hmm. She's very Mormon, but not like polygamous, but very strict. Okay. okay. Like the, the, she doesn't drink soda. She wears long dresses. Uh, okay. I shouldn't say because she does wear makeup and stuff like that, and she probably drinks soda. I, I'm not sure about that. But as far as the faith, believing that there's an afterlife and stuff like that, she wants to bring that in the household. She even buys into the, you know, women should be the housekeepers and yeah. men should be the breadwinners. But she does have a job. What does she do for she work? She does have a job. In fact, she is the breadwinner. Susan, as I'm going to get to here shortly, is extremely intelligent. She works at Wells Fargo Investments hmm. for the, you know, doing big investments, like a like a stock broker Hmm. she's actually in the process of getting her serious seven which if you guys watch wolf of wall street member Mm. leonardo dicaprio got a serious seven series seven (laughs) series got a series series seven exam that qualification helps you make these investments and all portfolio stuff i don't even know yeah so she's she's doing pretty well for herself exactly so this is Sunday, December 6, 2009. She takes her two sons, Charlie, four years old, Braden, two years old. They go to the local church ward. 
So does her husband work at all, or does she just make the majority of the money? The husband is a piece of shit. I'm starting to get that sense without he much is context. The biggest from him. piece of shit in the world. He does have a job, but his jobs come and go because he went to college, didn't complete his degree, racked up a huge amount of debt, and he would bounce from job to job saying he's qualified. Like the job he's working at now when his wife goes missing, he's a computer programmer for a trucking company, even though he's he doesn't have a degree or anything. You see what I'm saying? He's just mm-hmm. kind of lying his way into these jobs. And then they find mm-hmm. out Ooh. that, hey, you don't even have a degree and you suck at this. Then he goes, which you probably see this too, the HR route was like, oh, you, you're firing me for no reason <laughs> kind of stuff, you know? Oh, yes. That's him. We're going to get into him in a second, though. So December 6, 2009, she takes her two sons, Charlie, four years old, Braden, two years old, to her local church. She is a member of the Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons. A neighbor and one of her best friends visits her at 5 p.m., and her name is Giovanna Owings, and she provides a lot of the commentary for this case. Okay, they're really good friends. One more question. Yeah, go ahead. I shouldn't say one more. Did the husband not attend church with her and her kids? Yes, at first. But that, that he, go- he prefers to stay at home or mm, he's work, quote unquote, working? That was a great question. And I'm going to yeah. get into this later, but you really have to understand the husband's father. Because the husband's father, Steve, which we're going to talk about a lot, you know, which is crazy. Why would you talk about the stepdad? Well, we're about to find out. Yeah. So he was Mormon, marries a Mormon, and then whatever happened, he fractured away. And he is, the book says, vehemently, vehemently, mm-hmm. vehemently anti-Mormon. Interesting. The The husband's dad. So Josh Powell, the husband, grew up in that um, environment of anti-Mormon. Anti-Mormon. But the mother was Mormon. They split up. Okay. So Josh is Mormon. He met Susan at a LDS singles event. Mm-hmm. He is Mormon. But just like his father, because the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, he starts fracturing exactly the same. And he gets into this, oh, Mormons is bull crap, all this stuff. And which is bad because he's telling the kids... His kids eventually, which we're going to see that, you know, God is evil, Mormons are the devil, mm-hmm. all this stuff. And he's living with Susan, which is diehard Mormon. Again, we're at December 6, 2009. They just come home from church. Susan, her friend, Giovanna Owings, they actually sing in the choir. I'll get to it in a second, but Susan is a soprano and she has a lovely voice from what everyone says. Anyway, her friend Giovanna visits her because Giovanna was knitting, you know, like uh, Mm -hmm. thread and Mm -hmm. and needle. Mm -hmm. And she got the yarn. I guess it's like crochet or something. The yarn was all tangled up. So Mm -hmm. she comes over, and this is like 3 o'clock p.m., and she stays till about 5.30. And they sit on this love seat, this new love seat that Susan just got. 
and they for two hours are trying to like untangle this knot of this mm-hmm. yarn, right? That's you know whatever. So anyway, the husband then takes the two boys sledding because it's you know snowing outside. This is December sixth. It's mm-hmm. right before Christmas. At eight thirty p.m., a neighbor of Susan and Josh sees Josh coming home with the kids in the sled. Okay, good. Everything's good. At 11.45 is when it really starts. That is when a neighbor hears a car alarm go off. Now, he doesn't actually get up and see what's going on, but he does hear it. Okay. And it's coming from the Powells. Yes. Okay. Around 8.30 p.m., a neighbor saw Josh return home and pull into the garage. Three hours later, Marco Bastidas, who lived one house away from Josh and Susan's, was locking up his car when he heard an alarm sounding inside the closed garage at the Powell home. He couldn't see any lights on in the house. Another neighbor tells police that he hears a couple fighting, and it's most likely Susan and Josh. But he doesn't actually go to the window, and since this happened, he regrets that. You could tell. He's like, damn it, mm-hmm. I wish I would have seen to be sure that that was Susan and Josh fighting. Monday, December 7th, 2009. So we were just at Sunday, December 6th. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to December 7th, but we're not going in the day. We're going to midnight, you know, Sunday midnight. Now we're in Monday, 12.30 a.m. Okay. okay, okay. Completely night. This is after the car alarm so this goes is off. The co- same just night? Same, the same, same night, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, the same night the car alarm goes off. Now we're at 12 a.m. to 12.30 in the morning. The husband, Josh Powell, decides he wants to take the two boys, Charlie, four years old, and Brayden, two years old, camping. It is 12.30 at night. In December? And it is one of the, it. Yeah, exactly. That was a good point. And not only is it in December, but it is below freezing and one of the worst uh, freezing temperatures on record. And they want to go wow. camping at this place called Simpson Springs where they could literally freeze to death. And not to mention it's 12.30 at night. I wonder if that was his... In- I wonder if that was his intent. What do you mean? To kill his kids. So, according to Josh, the husband, his wife stays home. Mm-hmm. All right. And keep in mind, he's going camping at freaking midnight. Now, does anyone... <laughs> on, do, a mon- on a Monday. Is there anyone in the neighborhood who, like, heard the car leave at that point in time? Yeah, yeah, they okay. heard the car leave. Okay. And they, they saw him leave and stuff like With that. With the kids, okay. But here's the thing. The kids have school in the morning. True. Josh has work in the morning. The next day, obviously, Susan's not at work. Mm-hmm. And the first one that to notice something's wrong is the daycare because they expect the two kids to be there. And they didn't call in And advance, they didn't call. Apparently. They weren't even there. So that's. What got the ball rolling is like, where is Josh? Where are the kids? Like, what's going on? Okay. Now, Josh, he comes home and his wife is gone. This is what he says. The next morning. Yeah. So he goes camping for some reason. But and they then come he comes back, back the same day. He comes back the same day and now the, the wife is gone. Interesting. So who yeah. went to the house during the day? How many bags did they pack when they wait, went wait, camping? Wait, who went in the house? Well, who... So... Well, unless he brought the body with him. Right. Like, how many bags did he bring? Did anyone see that? 
Um, this case is going to really piss you off. Let's just say hmm. that. <laughs> Lots of unanswered questions. I'm going to say so, right now. So Jen was thinking he <clears throat> took the body with him to get to camping, quote unquote camping, to get rid of the body. I'm thinking, did the husband's dad come to the house to dispose of the body oh. <laughs> while they're gone? That's a good question because the dad lives eight hours away in mm-hmm. Washington and if you have listened to another one of our episodes, the Misty Copsy episode, I believe, yep, he lives in Pulalup. Remember the Pulalup? Remember the Pulalup police? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pulalup. That's where he lives. The dad lives in Pulalup. How funny if they know each other? Pulalup. Mm. Pulalup. I'm gonna get into Josh's dad, Steve, here in a little bit. But let's continue talking about Susan. Then we'll talk about Josh, the relationship. Then I'll get to their dad. Obviously, everyone at this point knows that Josh did something. Mm-hmm. Okay. But continuing with Susan, she's 28 years old. Josh is 33. They have two sons, Charlie, which is four, and Brayden, two years old. She was working at Wells Fargo Investments when she, quote, left. Mm-hmm. Right. She was number three of four girls growing up. She was the wild one, if you will, and as you see her, she's extremely beautiful, and her dream in life was to open her own beauty salon. I know they wanted to use the basement of their house once they got the money to open up like a beauty salon, and she can do that. Yeah, so, which I don't really think Mormons do a lot of the makeup and, you know. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. But she didn't overdo it she just did it enough it's not like she was a kardashian or a jenner or whatever so her dream was to make people look more beautiful that was her dream nice nice way of putting it she was born october 16th 1981 to chuck and judy cox a little bit about chuck he was a sergeant a staff sergeant working at holloman air force base he was an air traffic controller and he Worked on the uh, disaster reports when a Mm. plane crashes. Mm. Like the black box stuff? Yeah. So he's very keen on not people lying, but the little details, if you will, about the semantics of stuff. She's a devoted Mormon. She belonged to the Hunter 36th Ward. I guess they have little wards Mm. in their religion. She sang in the choir as a soprano. And this is a quote from Giovanna. Owings, the uh, the her friend that came over to do that yarn stuff. Mm. I wonder if that's kind of like a parish, like the words. Yeah, that's probably a good analogy yeah. for it. She had a wonderful voice, really angelic, just beautiful, Giovanna said later. So we were starting to find a lot of things we had in common. And I thought, this is really cool. I've got a friend and she is right around the block for me. This is going to be so neat. I was looking forward to the future and doing stuff together. That's nice. Everyone loved Susan so much. She was outgoing. She was nice. She was sweet. And if you look at her parents, Chuck and Judy, they are an amazing family. Mm. And then you take the Powells, Mm -hmm. and it's literally like... Night and day. Yeah, it's literally like heaven... From the Coxes, Susan Cox growing up, heaven, and then hell for the Powells. Mm. Like they grow up in hell with demons, 
I mean, it's completely separate. You know what I'm saying? Like, the good people are the Coxes. The bad people are the Powells. And you're going to see why I'm saying that. I'm not just saying that to say it. Like, these guys <laughs> I was going to say, wow, that's pretty this intense family, to say that about the Powells at their hell. Like, kind of like fire and brimstone yeah, more, yeah. is that what you mean? Or? No, like, if I ever meet a Powell on the street, I'll be like, I, I can't even talk to you. <laughs> wow, that bad, huh? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. If there was ever a family that you wish you could just wish off of the earth. Wow. And I'm talking about the whole freaking family. Huh. Minus the wife. We've that, covered a lot of really uh, shitty families, yeah, though. Minus, <laughs> minus Josh's mom, the wife that divorces the crackpot dad. Uh-huh. Anyway, we're going to get to that okay. in a minute. But Susan actually earns a scholarship to Jean Juarez Academy. It's a huge cosmetology school. It's like one of the big ones. Mm-hmm. Now, as you're going to read some of the quotes from Susan in her diary, she's trying to get away from this guy. But in reality, she wanted things to work because Mormons, you don't separate if you're a Mormon. A little bit about the Mormon marriages. You marry not just for this life, but for the next life. Which, when I saw that, I was like, shit, I got to put up in a call in the next life, too? <laughs> what the hell? I thought it was just another 60 years here. I can manage that. But now I got to see you up in hell. Oh, you can manage it for <laughs> the next 60 years. <laughs> uh-huh. But anyway, she was in it to win it, even though it came to the time where she wanted a divorce. But that was for her own sake. And the Mormon church actually blessed a divorce for her and that's like a oh wow. no one does they never do it that. must have been really bad yeah, it must have been really bad like the catholic version of it yeah like, yeah it's not very common yeah yeah exactly but this especially is, if they've been married for a while and they have two kids exactly but this is how much judy loved her husband she wrote this on valentine's day it's called the reasons i love you this is when they you know they met she actually lists 132 reasons why she loves Josh Powell. And I just put a little bit of them here if you want to read these. You want to talk about irrelevant topics until you've resolved the issues of the world. You'll drive aimlessly. You want children. You pray for people. You show affection in public. You don't care what others think. You love my family get-together occasions. You watch friends with me for hours. You can be patient. You let me wax you. You hold me. I know. At first, I questioned that too, and then I realized that she was Waxing? a cosmetologist or whatever. Yeah. So she's probably testing, you like, know, on stuff. The butthole? Yeah. Well, I don't. Had had we not had that previous context, that's what I would have thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you hold me in the middle of the night. You calculate everything, which I will also say that at first glance, I thought that said you ejaculate. <laughs> what the fuck? Whoa. Get your mind out of the gutter. Uh, I just saw the you late and I, and then it was around the wax. Anyway, you went to church when you didn't feel like it was worth it. You pay tithing without question. This is from the book right here. This is a little bit about how Susan's parents absolutely abhorred Josh Powell. Susan's parents were worried about Josh's sometimes odd behavior. Occasionally, he seemed to not all be there. At other times, he'd be oddly evasive. He made a habit of arriving hours late to family functions with no awareness that others were waiting for him. It appeared as if Josh either didn't care about others or was unable to empathize with anyone else's problems. 
they didn't give voice to their greatest concern because to do so would have been almost too scary to say out loud. Chuck and Judy began to wonder if Josh's aberrant behavior was an indicator that he might have a mental illness. A little bit about Josh Powell. He was born January 20th, 1976. He's one of five children. He's the second born to Steve and Terry Powell. He was born in Spokane, Washington. Remember, Steve lives in Puyallup. Oh, I said it right that time. Good job. I thought it was Puyallup. Oh, maybe. The order was Jennifer was the oldest, followed by Josh, Johnny, Mike, and Alina. I just had what is probably the most erotic experience I've had in my entire life. I just hate to say it. I mean, of course, because I haven't had that many experiences, but Susan has been feeling ill. She had a cold. And... I offered to rub her feet, to rub her toes, to give her some yeah. oh, no. stimulation. Oh, no. I probably rubbed her feet. That's her stepdad. Her toes, her, her beautiful stepdad. feet. She has such pretty oh. feet. Of course, everything about her is pretty beautiful. And I know she felt it. I mean, I know she, I mean, she couldn't have missed it. She's not naive either, I know, from what I've read in her journals. Oh. Um, that girl is not naive. I started massaging her legs. I would have loved to go all the way up her legs, but I did do her calves. <gasps> oh, no. Because her feet were resting in my crotch, so I <gasps> sort of rubbed her calves. <laughs> she didn't seem to mind yeah. at all having me that close. I mean, I it's was her close. Father. I was touching yeah, her husband's my crotch. Then I just started rubbing her back and her neck and her shoulders. I didn't want to push my luck. Josh was sitting across the room on the, on the chair, and he wasn't always watching, so I sort of took liberties as he didn't watch. And, you know, I put my hands around to the front, and I did feel her her breasts, at least to some degree. I didn't put my hands, and I didn't cut my hands over them, but I felt the sides and a little bit on the underneath, and she had an underwire bra on. What the fuck? Um... And, uh, I, um, wow. Then I, uh, yeah. Then he creamed his pants. It's hard to remember everything I did. (laughs) I love that woman. Oh, he's stripping now. Beautiful. Can't even get enough of her. Can't get enough of looking at her. She's so so pretty. And I held her arm and I held her hand. I cupped her hand in mine, her beautiful little hands. And I rubbed her forearm and I massaged it all up and down, massaged it for a long time. I went up. Oh, God. Look at his bulge. Of her sleeve. Like, is he feeling this for she his own even, purposes? Yeah. Right. She just, she seemed to enjoy it. I so, mean, like, I, he remembers it? I slipped my hand it? up inside yeah. of her sleeve and I had it over here and I was pushing, I was massaging her shoulder blade and I was, I was right here, just above her breast. Oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I wish there was like some way we this could is, get Susan's thoughts on this their is, relationship. Um, I know. This is oh I'll get I'll so get your thoughts on She wrote about Oh him. yeah. She's been journaling since she was a teen. Why do you think she moved to Utah from 
Spokane, Washington. Because she was creeped out by her father-in-law? Because he kept making sexual advances <gasps> at her. And she told her is husband, he still, Oh, Josh, Is he with anyone? I know that the parents are divorced, but is he, like, single? No, the mother divorces him. Right. Or his wife divorces him. Because of this or before? Before. Not because of the Before. Yeah. Before, when Josh was still growing so up. So he is a bachelor eyeing at the wife of his son. I wouldn't say bachelor. He is, when he was arrested, as we'll creep. get into later, he was arrested for child pornography <gasps> and voyeurism. Oh, my gosh. Oh. And this right here, this photo, I'll put it on talkmore.com. That This is all Susan's panties. <gasps> oh, the nasty. Would, he would take, he had thousands and thousands of videos and photos. Of Susan? Of Susan. So, for instance, he would have a crack or a little hole in the bathroom wall, and he would have the camera positioned so... He, he can watch her pee. There's videos of her inserting a tampon. Oh anything. That's anything. Like they found obsession to a next level. That's so creepy. While he decried the media's prejudice against Josh on one page, he took the entirety of another page to chronicle what he called a jerk off session to a photograph of Susan's beautiful face. He wrote how many seconds it had lasted and added an exclamation point to cap off the memory. Ugh, I wonder how many seconds it was. Ew. I don't. Ugh, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, no, we're, we just started with this guy. What the fuck? <laughs> I think I'm just going to leave this. No. Oh, keep going. I'm, no, I'm no, fascinated. I don't know. I guess I don't. I don't know. Well, he's I, maybe a, I'm just more naive than anyone else on this planet. He's but a, just like the thought of like like fantasizing about someone, especially your like your daughter-in-law, is just very, very creepy and gross to me. Oh, it's definitely creepy and gross, and it sh- should be creepy and gross to everyone. There's more. One time, Steve tried to kiss me. After that, I told Josh we had to move out. No, Kiersey said. If Susan had dropped a bomb, this next one was a cruise missile. Yes, one time after we moved here, Steve sent me a package, an envelope with what I thought were pictures of my favorite actor, Mel Gibson. You know what he did? Kiersey had no idea. How could she? She never heard of a father-in-law hitting on his son's wife. It was disgusting and vile. It was wrong in every way imaginable. Tucked into the photos were a bunch of other naked pictures, Susan said, pausing a moment for emphasis. They weren't of Mel Gibson. This motherfucker sent his daughter-in-law dick pics oh via mail. This is more sexy, was a thing. Could you imagine if he accidentally addressed it to like the house next door or something <laughs> yeah, like or the or wrong his, address, and... or her, her, the, or the husband opens? The yeah, mail. like what the fuck, dude? <sighs> never send an unsolicited dick pic, especially via snail mail. Yeah, that's awfully risky. That is, I mean, any sending any nude photo is risky because that shit don't go away. Uh uh-uh. uh Even when you think it does, it doesn't. It that's doesn't. what they made Snapchat for. And guess that, what? That still don't work. It doesn't. I don't know how to explain what you're about to hear, so I'm just gonna go ahead and roll with it. And I only feel love. Oh God! No! Oh no! Make it stop! He reminds me of something. Dracula. <laughs> Literally count the count from Sesame Street. 
salts and Ugh. like saying the phantom of the opera but his like, voice his is very version. distinct he sounds like another he had hundreds of songs dedicated to susan here's one your sweet name was my lips again was on my lips again words and music by stephen craig powell i don't want to read it it's gonna make me cringe your sweet name was on my lips again when i tried to kiss her as a friend i would try but it was just pretend your sweet name was on my lips again <laughs> wow, why, what a songwriter. Wow, you're so good. What did Steve do for a living? Was he a composer for a living? I hope not. No. Clearly wasn't a good it, one. It's actually really ironic because the company he worked at, they made furniture for inmates. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll eventually be sitting on some oh, of his God, own furniture. No. <laughs> That's funny. Like, right. Wow, they must have been really ter- terrible. I wonder if part of um, his obsession has to do with wanting what he can't have, because that's maybe where the voyeurism comes. No, he is comes this in. guy. You is, can want what you can't have and not have sexual fantasies about it. This guy is really. Well, that's what he gets off on. Really bad. When they raided his home, they found not only Susan di- Susan's diaries that he's stolen from her, oh. but they recovered multiple laptops, computer towers, cameras, boxes of photographs, a book titled When Opposites Attract, and his own journals, 10 years worth of writings about his sexual obsession with Susan. They even found a porn cabinet. Now, this guy has porn all oh, over the house. Grief. They found a Ziploc baggie of hair, women's hair. Wow. Uh, Was it Susan's or just random women? I, I don't know. I guess random women. Women's undergarments and hygiene products, photos of Susan, 15 desktop and laptop computers filled <gasps> up with videotapes. Holy shit. That's uh, a lot. Yeah. Uh, like, talk about getting an 15. external hard drive. I mean, I, I know that. Yeah. Um... Videotapes of. There were videotapes of minors. Oh, no. Six, eight years old in <gasps> oh, the neighborhoods. No. His neighbors, too. They were. And they weren't just like playing in the you know playing with the ball or whatever he gets the camera and he takes videos of these two minors using the bathroom he has cds flash drives video cassettes digital video recorder packets of photographs cds with encryption keys multiple notebooks hard drives three ring binders a box of journal and photo albums he's got it all and there when he was arrested it was for numerous counts of child porn and voyeurism. Well, I'm glad I they mean, put it was, him away. Yeah. yeah. His goal and his dream in life was to share Susan with his son. Ew. He wanted Susan to basically be the <laughs> wife of both of them. Oh, no. he, he wanted a, a sister-wife situation with his son. That's so strange. At the time, he was 53 and Susan was 21. Over the years, he wrote more than 2,330 pages in 17 notebooks about how he was crazy with desire for her and how falling in love with her 
was both his greatest (laughs) problem and his greatest pleasure. It could sound romantic, except it wasn't. Not only was it unrequited, even Steve called his actions sociopathic. He chronicled what he admitted were his sick sexual urges about Susan, including secretly videotaping her and masturbating while he watched the tapes. Well, at least he knew that it was not right. According to his journals, he would masturbate every morning and every evening to pictures of Susan. It didn't take much to turn him on. He had taken hundreds of photos of Susan, many without her knowledge, partially dressed, putting on makeup, eating a bowl of cereal, inserting a tampon, shopping at Costco. This is the West Valley police detective. His name, Her name is Kim Watley. She's actually questioning the son, Charlie. Okay, well, what did you do Sunday night? Um, Before you went to bed? Go camping. You went camping? Tell me about camping. <laughs> camping is where we have s'mores. Who were you camping with? Um, my dad and my mom and my little brother. So you went camping with your mom, your dad, your little brother, and you had s'mores? Yeah. Charlie, when you guys came home from camping, who came home with you? My dad. And? And my mom stayed at Dinosaur National Park. Your mom stayed there? Yeah. Do you know where at the park? Uh, no, she, she, my mom stayed where the crystals are. Where were you camping at? Um, I was camping there at Dinosaur National Park. Dinosaur Park? No, Dinosaur National Park. Dinosaur National Park? Who he were you camping sure with? That that's where he was. <clears throat> yeah, because his dad my, coached him to say that. My little brother dad your mom and your brother yeah did you sleep over there yeah Yeah? tell me what you did with um your dad while you were camping Um, anything fun yeah um while i was camping um i saw some flowers that didn't look pretty you didn't yeah. You saw some flowers that didn't look pretty? Yeah. Oh. There's no pretty flowers on that dinosaur, not so part city. Oh. So you, uh, you went camping with your mom, your dad, your little brother, and you had s'mores? Yeah. Was that fun? Yeah. Yeah? Tell me about your picture, Brayden. One woman said, gently prodding him. That's us going camping, he said, looking down at the drawing. Another woman touched an index finger to a crude stick figure seated in the car. Who's that, she asked. That's Daddy. He indicated the other figures in quick succession. That's Charlie, and that's me. But that wasn't everybody he'd drawn. There was another figure there, too, he pointed. Mommy's in the trunk, he said. What? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Mommy's in the trunk. Oh, shit. Oh, dear. Okay. Oh, he didn't even bother weekend at Bernie no. in front of the kids. Dude, he took his dead wife 
in the and it's not even a trunk. They had an Astro minivan. There's not a trunk. It's just the back. Oh, of, the dead man. wife, Susan, is in the back, and the two kids are in the car seat in the back seat with their mother oh dead. What a monster! Right behind them. Um, mommy and daddy got out. He said, and mommy never came back. Well, shit. <laughs> This episode is brought to you in partnership with Best Fiends. Hey guys, Nicole from Talk Murdered to Me here. As you know, I love puzzles and games almost as much as I like true crime. When I want to challenge my brain, my go-to game is Best Fiends. It's a game you can play right on your phone without using the internet and your data, which is perfect if my internet ever randomly goes out at home. So Best Fiends is honestly a lifesaver. I love having something to do to actively pass the time, especially right now, and it's so much better than scrolling through social media over and over and over. I've already told you about how much I love this game, and now I've finally hit level. And now I've finally hit level 361. It's engaging in a casual game that anyone can play, but it's made for adults. It's colorful, entertaining, and I'm totally obsessed. Jen, John, and I have been trying to get to new levels as fast as we can. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. This episode is brought to you by Relationship Hero. Relationship Hero is a company founded with a mission of helping people successfully overcome their relationship challenges. Relationship Hero matches you with coaches who specialize in areas where you need help, and their coaches provide actionable advice that's personalized to your situation. They are especially great at helping you write the best texts to send to your significant other. Their coaches are fantastic, certified, and available 24-7 for ongoing support along your journey. Relationship Hero helps thousands of people every day navigate their dating, relationships, breakups, and more. There's also classes and group coaching to help you navigate the wild world of dating in today's world, like how to spot the red flags of a narcissist something you may want to brush up on with all your true crime listening. Or get personalized coaching about your relationship and situation with one-on-one consulting. Relationship Hero is the number one relationship coaching service. Go to relationshiphero.com murder to not only support Talk Murder to Me, but to get $50 off your first one-hour coaching session. That's relationshiphero.com slash murder. So 48 hours later, after Susan has gone missing, Josh takes a cab to Salt Lake City International Airport at 1026 p.m. It is Tuesday, December 8th. He pays $79.61. He's at the Hertz rental agency, and he picks up a 2009 Ford Focus. Over the next 48 hours, he will drive approximately 807 miles. He also got a new cell phone. He oh. also had Susan's cell phone 
with him at the time. And Weird. this is this is crazy. Why wouldn't Susan have her cell phone with her? They found Susan's cell phone in Josh's car. And when he was driving, he was calling her cell phone and saying, where are you at, baby? You know, come back to me. You know, they pinged the cell phones right next to each other in the passenger oh, seat. Oh, my God. So, I'm just, oh, I, I'm not even bringing up all the stuff that they had against this guy. It's just going to piss you off. Anyway, so Susan Powell was actually in the midst of finally divorcing Josh oh. before she goes missing. She's threatened before to divorce him, and she gave him deadlines. I'm going to divorce you by this date. But those deadlines would always be pushed a year. Were they conditional? Like, you have to do this or you have to yeah. do this? It's you have to go to church, which he never does. For instance, one of her friends' husband was a computer programmer, and he didn't want to teach Josh. No one likes Josh at all. He's No one likes him. No one can stand him. He didn't want to teach Josh how to program on the computer. But talked her friend's husband into teaching Josh how to program on the computer if he would just spend 10 minutes a week with his wife. 10 minutes holding hands, like just being with her. That's pretty sad that you have to bribe your husband and to do that. And he didn't want to. He did not want to. And Jeez. yeah, one of the other conditions was he had to go like once to church and it happens for a week and then he decides he's he's over it. And in fact, not only that, the Mormon church, they have a supply of food for, I forgot what it's called, but for the Mormon nights when they're in need, mm -hmm. let's say one of the family members loses a job and mm -hmm. they're having trouble eating, they can open up that vault and allow the family to get food that they have stored. Mm -hmm. The only condition is you have to trade some of your time for the church, mowing the grass, you know, oh, painting nice. the yeah. banister, whatever. They took the food and Susan would always reciprocate like you're supposed to, but Josh never would. Mm. He said, screw it, I don't... I don't want to do that. So it's, hmm. you know, that's the type of person this guy is. Anyway, this video you're about to see, I don't believe Josh saw it, but he may have. This was for the attorney. I'm just going to kind of fast forward it. But this is Susan Powell showing all the belongings of the house and everything else. So when they do get divorced, Josh doesn't sell everything under her feet. And as you'll see in the video, Susan, the breadwinner, hardly gets none of her own stuff. She has to beg for beg for groceries. And when we go into the basement, you see Josh's lair. He's got a motorcycle. He's got several computers. He's got all this stuff. Hmm. And he's not bringing any money into the house because he's getting fired every two weeks because he's lying about employment and his skill sets. Uh, this is me, July 29th, 2008. It is 1233, mountain time. Um, covering all my bases, making sure that if something happens to me or my Whoa. family or all of us, that yeah, our crazy, assets right? are documented. Hope everything works out and we're all happy and live happily ever after as much as that's possible. And there is a shop vac. This is all stuff See, bought he's got in a all year or less stuff. through Home Depot. 
on my credit. Josh bought a lot of stuff and then he had to bankrupt it. Mm. And then he bought a little bit more on my credit. There's a I nice mean, lamp. Those are some These serious are, power tools. Uh, things to roll wood with. A little more about Josh. He thinks he knows how to do everything. He wanted to be a photographer, so he bought all this equipment, and that lasted mm. about two weeks. He got into real estate. That lasted two months. The real estate thing is actually what drove them into bankruptcy because he decided he wanted his face all over the city, and that cost a lot of money. It was like $300,000 <gasps> through Yellow Pages. Yeah, through Yellow Pages advertising, you know, like Jeff Cook up here with all his uh-huh. signs and stuff. He wanted to do that, but even the the agents that have been in 20 years and are making good money, they're hesitant to spend that much money, much less someone who was just got into real estate two weeks ago. No one's going to call somebody with two weeks of experience. Exactly. And plus, no one can put up with this guy. That campaign, which was about $300,000 or perhaps a lot more, put them into bankruptcy because Yellow Pages tried to sue him because they delivered all his ads, and then he decided to just file for bankruptcy. But before he did that, he bought all he could off his wife's credit cards, and then he files for bankruptcy. So you kind of see in what this guy is. Mm-hmm. And she is, she's against that, the lying and the fraud. I'm sure she would have divorced him a long time ago if it wasn't for the kids. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The kids and her religion. Yeah. That is the reason, I'm telling you. Sorts of files. This is all thanks to me trying to parts. Wedding picture. Hovercraft. We won't go in it. This is Josh's welding machine. Well, he's got a welding machine. I don't even have that. <laughs> what would you do with that if you had one? Next, John goes to Home Depot with our credit card. <laughs> Uh, I get the 10% discount. What you talking about? But what Josh didn't skimp on was the life insurance policies. Ah. He had one from Beneficial Life on Susan for 500 grand and another one from New York Life for 2.5 million. Whoa. Why would you ever give someone that, you know? I mean, I do like life insurance is important, but I wouldn't 2.5 million? Have if you die, like, why Why would I need 2.5 million? That's not going to get me anywhere. I need, like, five or six at least. <laughs> Sorry, that's <laughs> far less than what I have. So. Oh, no. There was a side to Josh that only his wife could have known. He used sex, or the lack of it, as a weapon. If I do anything he thinks is wrong, he punishes me. He says, I can't believe you did that. No more sex for three months. Susan told her, since the year before when she'd been pregnant with Charlie, Josh acted as if she repulsed him. That's sad. If this sounds like you and your relationship, your significant your significant other does not love you and you need to get out. If they're withholding sex from you. <laughs> That's your takeaway. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I'm trying to be mature here. <laughs> your only your only takeaway from you, that is you withholding did a good job, sex. You did, yeah. you did a good job, but you you they don't love a you. Big chunk. <laughs> Not malnourishing the kids. Not, Not you know, account, keeping accounting for her every dime while spending all of it and bankrupting the family. <clears throat> withholding sex. That's the last straw. 
if this is your significant other, maybe you should try a, a finger in the butt or something. Babe. Okay. <laughs> How about marriage counseling? This is from the writings of Susan Powell right here. This is an email dated July 11th, 2008. Yesterday, I helped him organize slash clean his office and the loose papers, another one of his excuse slash stalling tactics. And I was soundlessly crying myself to sleep last night. I told him, kind of desperately, now is the time you can say nice things to me. So he said in a tired slash bored voice, thanks for helping me clean my office and stuff. And that was all. Then he kind of bumped me, and I said as a hopeful suggestion, are you trying to hold my hand? And he muttered something not audible. And then a little bit later, I held his hand for a while until he pulled away. This is heartbreaking. I know. That's, Jesus yeah. Christ. And I don't even... Was he having an affair? I'll get to that. Okay, not only that, he would, just like Steve, his father, he would put himself against his wife to the kids, almost like a superhero and villain. He would make the kids like him more, kind of like how I do with our dog. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So he would do this with the kids, and this is an exact quote that he had said to his two kids. Do you want to go to boring, boring church with mommy, or do you want to stay home and have cake with daddy, he asked one time. So that's what the kind of D-bag. exactly right. I mean, obviously the answer is church. <laughs> You're the only person at this table that would still choose church. <laughs> and we all know how much I love cake. So true, true. Yeah, cake every time. This is from Steve, uh, little horny Steve, the uh, dad. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. This is what he wrote in his journal. Josh talked on and on, very openly, about how he would love to get rid of her. He is not attracted to her. He said he daydreams about having someone come to his door to report that she was killed by a drunk driver. What the fuck? So this is bizarre because this the is from son, his journals. The son is like supposedly not attracted to his wife and is abusive. Meanwhile, her husband's father is madly in. in love with her. Trying to swoop in. Yes. But like, why doesn't he report this? Like, Well, I guess because he's a creep and doesn't want to get arrested. But, but I very mean... true to your point that you made earlier, Jen. You would think that with comments like this, and if he was the, the husband's father was so in love with her, or if obsessed with her, that he would want to, like, protect her from yeah. him. You know? I, I, see, I see that point. The reason I'm putting these up here, as you'll see in a little bit, because the cops, they, for some reason, will not arrest this guy. Josh? I cannot believe or it. Or Steve. Josh. The, well, they what? arrested Steve because he had child porn and oh, everything. Yeah. But they will not arrest Josh at all. We're building a case, they kept telling the, her dad and that mom. That is such it's, horseshit. It, yeah, it's, it's really horseshit because, as we'll get into in a second— there was a bunch of evidence that they found. A lot of Susan's blood yeah. they found in the house. And they found the car that she was driven in Th- to that dump is her body. All this stuff. Solid. And they would not arrest this guy at all. They would not arrest him. Do I need to go up to Utah and cut a bitch? You're going to want to cut a lot of bitches. I'm going to just go. All right. 
let's let's talk a little bit about the Powell family. I mean, the evidence is unreal. Let's talk a little bit about the Powell family and Steve's house of Horse. whores. This is one of the youngest sons, Johnny Powell. This is from the book. His brother? Yeah, Josh's brother? Josh's brother, yeah. Upstairs in the 30-year-old Johnny Powell's bedroom, a carefully coiled rope noose hung on the wall along with disturbing renderings of a woman with a knife running through her vagina and exiting her stomach. Johnny, whom his father and sister Alina considered an artist, had a history of mental troubles. Um, yeah, I'd say... Uh, I mean, art is art, but that's really troubling. Yeah. Like, you need to get, that's, that's like. Seek help. Yeah. Here's another reason why Josh should have maybe not been arrested, but definitely lost custody of the kids a lot sooner than he did. This, he's talking about his son right here. He gets one meal a day at daycare. That's all he needs. You can give him formula and that's it. You're not wasting my food on him just because he's going to poop it out. Oh, dear Lord. Well, everyone poos it out, dude. So I don't understand why you think your child... Someone needs why to poo it's, him out. ...why it's wasting. Like, that's fuel. All right, detectives also learn that during that same time, by like the exact second he rents a car, Steve takes two days off work. Not only that, but Michael, one of the other brothers, because remember how I said... The Powell family is just a shit family. But anyway, Michael, the other brother, he goes off the radar from December 4th, Friday, till next Saturday, December 12th. Hmm. Weird. Yes. It wasn't exactly the trip they imagined, but the next day, Friday, December 11th, the police put a tracking device on Josh's car. They followed him as he drove from West Valley City to the parking lot of a strip club in Nevada. The name of the club was American Bush. (laughs) (laughs) American Bush. That's unfortunate. (laughs) Or brilliant. Why would you go to a strip club with the name Bush? You can't see anything. Yeah, but... (laughs) (laughs) American Landing Strip. (laughs) Uh, Or American Brazilian. I mean, come on. Make it better. I mean, they don't have to do as much stripping at American Bush. Yeah, I guess. Well, oh my god, they don't have to worry about. They could about call lot. it the uh, the Beaver. <laughs> that's leave what it, they. That's what they, beaver. that's what they call the Canadian strip club. The Beaver Dance. Beaver. Beaver. Two beavers are better than one. <laughs> it's closed now, but in 2009, it was a storefront in West Wendover, a town of about four thousand. Just across the Nevada border from Utah. West Bendover? Yeah. There you go. Less Bendover. Mm-hmm. Now, Michael, the brother, he had a Ford Focus as well. I don't know what they were trying to do. If if Josh was trying to throw out the police or anything, but his brother Michael had a Ford Focus. And it just so happens that he takes the car to one of those salvage yards. Mm-hmm. So it can be stripped out for parts. Anyway, the detectives with the tracking device actually got his brother's car. And this is the dog right here. Go to talkmore.com to see the sniffer dog doing his job. Oh, bloodhound. How cute. He just found the scent of a human body in that car. 
Oh, so, so they transported the body. They transported the body. So there wherever you go. they dumped it, now, they, they they realized they, as in the Michael. brother, the brothers. Okay, the whole Powell family. They're all in on. They're it. all so in did on. They it. switch out the car. I'm confused because he got so, the same kind of car. So did they switch it out? So here's what I think happened. So the, they obviously the body was not in the van, right? When the police are questioning them, but they realize, oh shit, the kids told them where they were. They're they're onto us. We got to move the body. So the brother, so they go where they had originally left the body and they realize they got to move it somewhere else. Yeah, this is where they took it. Lindell Auto Truck and Parts. Quality used cars and parts for sale. So he basically took it there and was like, hey, to you're sell not going to resell. Car. The, no, not, well, yeah, to resell, but more like you're going to part this, right? This is like one of those pull apart shops mm. where you can just go in and pull off a door if you need it. The car had been stripped of some parts, including the right front passenger door, taillights, and steering components. They brought in the cadaver dog that intensely searched the back of the vehicle and then indicated a positive hit for the scent of a body. The car was sealed in plastic by police, towed to a holding facility, and later processed by a forensics unit. Mike didn't learn until later that the police had his car. Hmm. So even the brothers are involved. Mm. Well, at least one of them. Now, this is crazy. Josh and Steve, they're not offering any help to find Susan, obviously, because she's dead. Right. And they right. know. Right. Yeah. And, and the police are like, yeah. we don't need your help. You know, and playing the police are, good cop, bad cop. And, yeah. and the town is doing all the searches and everything. And Josh is not offering any help. He's but, not even pretending like he's worried about his wife. Yeah. Like it's, you know how even like a Chris Watts, you know, was boohooing in front of the news. Right. Help me find my wife, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. He made this site, SusanPowell.org. Now it's no longer there, but thanks to the Wayback Machine, which is an internet website archive platform that basically saves everything. It's kind of cool because you can go back and see the first day of Google and the first day of Amazon in 1996, hmm. and it looks completely different. Anyway, the site actually archives all of the websites, and this is SusanPowell.org from a long time ago. Now, what you'll notice about this website is it talks a lot about how great Josh is. It's almost like a a uh, Tinder profile for Josh. Mm. Oh, know, God. It's, it's crazy. Single, recently single, <laughs> two kids, five nine, <laughs> and not only that, likes camping, making s'mores. Not only that, the website is a smear campaign for his missing wife, well, his dead wife, calling her a whore. No, all this stuff on the website. On the website, yeah. Oh yeah, look at it. So he he is in, instead of. Throwing his support for Susan, like, oh, we got to find Susan. He is painting her like she left him or, and, and ran away with another man or she was having an affair and another man must have kidnapped her or something along those lines. Exactly. Not only that, he's trying to make himself look good and the Mormon society look bad. This is the website right here. Look, this tab says outsiders. Mormons mobilize. This is outsiders. And out this is a smear campaign against Mormons. He's That's using weird. his he... wife's death site 
as a Tinder profile and to smear her name and Mormons. SusanPowell.org is a positive and uplifting site to spread the word about Susan and her family in the wake of this tragedy. In spite of Josh's initial willingness to give these people the benefit of the doubt, they have chosen to be completely adversarial adversarial towards his family. From the beginning, their numerous statements, is talking about the Mormons and the Cox family, and blogs have attempted to suppress the voice of all those who use reason or who disagree with their personal beliefs. It's just, like, seriously, dude? He's also talking about it like the site was made not by him. Leaving Mormonism. It's just it's just ridiculous. Look at this. It has about Josh. Stephen Powell's powerful connections. Is that what it said? Oh, my god! Yeah, so this is what I want to talk, talk about. There was this guy named Stephen Kosher. He goes missing, and I don't believe he was ever found. But it's around the same area, I think about a year before. So they try to parallel Josh, the one that killed his wife, tries to parallel her running away and this guy missing together. And he's going around on this website saying that they actually were having an affair and they moved together. Now, the family of this poor guy, they're disgusted because their son is being used as a pawn for this psychopath who killed his wife saying, oh, they probably ran away together because she's a bad mother. She's a whore. They ran away. They're living somewhere and they have a new life. So Josh is doing his best to come up with alternative theories so that there is he's trying to shed like some sort of reasonable doubt on his own not looking good situation i mean it's looking fine because he's not being arrested or anything yeah, so clearly. it's like you know he ain't doing so bad at it after exactly. all i guess well john i guess now you know what you gotta do when you kill me josh is a loving father and husband he likes to take his wife out to dinner or watch movies with her He regularly does activities with his beautiful wife and his entire family. Josh is totally committed to his wife and children. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) What the fuck? I feel like these pictures, (laughs) too, are also like, all right, kids, let's pose for a picture for the website. Josh loves to socialize with his friends and family. He enjoys gardening, woodworking, and building (laughs) construction projects. So, like, digging (laughs) digging graves and building coffins. It's a Tinder profile, man. He knows a few songs on the piano and guitar. Like his his dad. dad. He also loves photography, especially when the photos are of Susan and the boys. <laughs> he enjoys then, like why aren't any of the good pictures of her? He enjoys problem solving. You know, how do I dump this body? His dad probably had to provide all the photos of her. Yeah. Uh, Josh would like you to include his family and friends in his prayers. Oh, my God. This is awful. This is Steve talking about the missing uh, Stephen Kocher in his journal. I'm not really sure what position to take when she comes back. Will she return and own up to her affair with Stephen Kosher? Will she want to stay with him? Or will she realize it was just a fling? She needed to bring hope to what she what must have become for her a meaningless life. I still fantasize and masturbate about her oh, nearly God. every day. <laughs> Gross. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what the I mean, that went from like Holy a like, <laughs> like a not so bad journal entry 
<laughs> to one that was like it's like zero to bleh. fucking one hundred. Oh my gosh! Like he realizes that she's probably not alive, and he's fantasizing about a dead woman. Correct? Like, Jesus Christ! So he is he actually got- buying into this theory? I guess. All right. Now, what? what how does this end? Well, hang on. So is okay, the husband yeah. having an affair? I'm sure he is. Because I think it's weird that he says that he is, like, withholding sex as punishment. Yeah. I'm sure he is, yeah. I mean, he's definitely going to the American beaver. <laughs> it's American the Bush. American Bush. American it's the Bush. Canadian beaver. <laughs> but the American Bush. The beaver. <laughs> oh, all right. Let's talk about this douchehead. This is um, this is Dr. James Manley. After interviewing Mr. Powell and observing him interact with two sons, there is nothing to suggest that Mr. Powell does not have the intellect, skill, or practice to safely and adequately parent his two sons. Huh. That was from a psychological evaluation by Dr. James Manley, December 9, 2011. Here's where we're at now, two years down the road. Josh is fighting over custody of his two sons. The Coxes currently have the sons. They've literally just got them. Because we find out that Steve is possibly molesting them and is arrested for child porn. So they're out of the custody at that point. And and Josh is fighting back. Not just Steve. That's a good point. The uh, report goes to say, quote, in my experience, Josh is a loving and very engaged father. He must have read that off SusanPowell.org. <laughs> in the care of his sons. And Charlie and Brayden are happy, well-adjusted, and vibrant children. They were and malnourished. Yeah. They were malnourished at the time. And this guy, even though they missed their mother. Quote, Dr. Manley's report indicated that Josh had excellent parenting and interpersonal skills. Although he needed to learn to consistently place his children's need needs for an emotional, for an emotionally safe and stable environment of ahead of his own, ahead of his own. That like pretty much contradicts it, that sentence contradicts itself. But well, I would just like to say that from the literally two minutes that we watched the, the police interrogation, I can tell you that he has terrible interpersonal skills. Where we're at now is Josh thinks he has the right to see his sons, and they were ripped away from him. Boohoo. And he is trying to get them back, at least do some sort of supervised visits. However, they found that the kids had STDs from Steve. Mm-hmm. They found a shit ton of weird and creepy shit in his father's house mm-hmm. where the kids would spend. And not only that, Josh has his own collection, too. <gasps> you won't see this on SusanPowell.org. Was that what it was in the locked file cabinet, probably? Oh, Maybe. James Manley sat in a room at the Pierce County Sheriff's Office in downtown Tacoma. The psychologist, a sexual deviancy expert, and Detective Gary Sanders looked down at a few dozen of the 400 images that the Utah police had found on Josh's computer in December of 2009. The pornographic images played out like a kind of 
twisted, disgusting version of Cartoon Network. Well-known cartoon characters from The Simpsons to The Flintstones to Superman to Dennis the Menace were depicted in a wide array of sexual activities, including incest, group sex, fellatio, cunnilingus, and sodomy. I'm never going to look at Family Guy the same. Oh, my God. It was a subset. They weren't mentioned in this paragraph. Not yet. <laughs> it was a subset of child pornography, the likes of which are rarely seen by law enforcement, much less the parents who let their kids watch cartoons. Captain America, Catwoman, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Rugrats, characters from Family Guy, oh. and Jungle Book, and SpongeBob SquarePants, every one of them doing the nastiest things imaginable. Some were hand drawn, others were computerized, anime, or photographs. Some had identifying logos indicating where the cartoons and 3D images had originated. Websites trumpeted exactly what they were. Toon porn. So he's into hentai, but Not the American just hentai. The, the, the images that they found were of child pornography. A lot of cartoon child pornography. On Josh's computer. Right. So they need in, to... In 2009. Okay. Let, let me go back for a second. After interviewing Josh, after interviewing Mr. Powell and observing him interact with his two sons, there is nothing to suggest that Mr. Powell does not have yada, yada, yada. This dude has fucking child toon porn on his fucking computer. Are you? So what? Why is this a question? I'm not asking a question. This not. Well, toon porn's not child pornography, but it does show tendencies of instability for sure well i mean it, de- it depends though i guess it would depend it is if still the child pornography because some it of is. the characters are are yeah are children. it is still child pornography and also it's like children's characters i i, I can it see if still... it's if it's children right, in the cartoon he's there right, 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 right. example right like, that's, that's, that is child that's porn. child porn and not only that why would you grant this dude any contact with his sons when he has fucking porn of rugrats Performing cunnilingus on each other. Are you fucking serious? I'm going to vomit. What the fuck? There's a four year and a two year old, and their dad is watching Rugrat porn. And you think this guy, Dr. Manly, oh, this guy, he just needs to work on some shit. Fuck this guy. Understatement. Fuck that oh, goddamn no. doctor. Fuck this doctor. One had the head of Harry Potter actress Emma Watson photoshopped on a nude no. figure. So, oh wait, and that she's young in that in two thousand nine. Is she probably she like even seventeen? Eight? Maybe eighteen. Mm-hmm. She's like our age because she yeah. graduated the same year. She went to Brown. The same, same age as us. Can Jen read the last sentence after you finish? How about Jen just reads the whole thing? All right, go ahead, Jen. I want to just start over. Yeah. One had the head of Harry Potter actress Emma Watson photoshopped onto a nude figure. Some drawings showed bondage. Some showed beasts having sex with a woman. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Is that your sex noise? Oh, I don't know why I asked that. Sorry. Others depicted sex yeah. involved. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know my history with cats. Like... Others depicted sex involving mother on son, mother on daughter, father on daughter. In one, there were two adults on a bed praising a girl who was fellating a boy. In another, a girl was fellating a penis with a caption that read, Come on, daddy. Come on. Let me finish what I started. You're going to like it. Oh, my God. I want to vomit. Can you read that again? But more. Nope. No. Nope. That was enough. That's it. Come on, daddy. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Okay. 
let's wrap this up. Why the fuck do I care about any of this shit? Please tell me he's still not walking around free. Morning. Hey, I'm on a supervised visitation for a court-ordered visit, and something really weird has happened. The kids went into the house, and the parent, the biological parent, whose name is Josh Powell, will not let me in the door. Okay, let me give you some context before we go any further. This is February 5th, 2012. Josh was granted supervised visits with his children. I believe it was an hour a week. Mm-hmm. Under the care of, I don't know how this works, DSA, like a social, social, social worker, worker. or some, mm-hmm. someone comes and then watches Josh play with the kids, yeah. whatever. This is February 5th, 2012. The two kids were slightly in front of the woman on the 911 call right now. And as they walk in, Josh slams the door behind the two kids and locks out the social worker. What should I do? What's the address? It's 8119, and I, I think it's 89th. Um, I, I don't know what the address is. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty important for me to know. Um, sorry, I can't. Just a minute. Let me get in my car and see if I can, if I can find it. I'm, this, nothing like this has ever happened before at um, these visitations, so I'm really um, shocked. And I could hear one of the kids crying. But he still wouldn't let me in. He helped right away. He, he's on a very short lease with CSHS, and CPS has been involved. And this is the craziest thing. He looked right at me and closed the door. Are you there? Yes, ma'am. I'm just waiting to know where you are. Okay. It's 8119 189th Street, Court East, 2 Allop, 98375. And I'd like to pull out of the driveway because I smell oh, gas. No, no, no. let me in. You want to pull out of the driveway because you smell gasoline, but he won't let I you... Smoke. He, he won't let me in. Tell me this motherfucker killed his kids. I swear to God. He won't let me in the house. And the kids have been in there by now approximately um, 10 minutes. And he knows this children? is a supervised visit. Two, Brayden is uh, five and Charlie is seven. All right, we'll have somebody look for you there. Okay, how long will it be? I don't know, ma'am. They have to respond to emergency life-threatening <gasps> situations first. The first available deputy... Well, this, is, this could be life-threatening. He went to court on Wednesday, and he he didn't get his kids back. And this is really... I'm, a, I'm afraid for their lives. Okay, has he threatened oh, the lives God. of the children previously? I have no idea. All right. We'll have the first available deputy contact you. Oh... Sends this email to his custody attorney and Jeffrey Bassett here, right before the fire. I'm here. sorry, two goodbye. Boys in the house, and there are five and seven, and there's an adult man. He has supervised visitation, and he blew up the house and the kids. The kids and the husband and the father were in the house. Yeah, yes, yeah, he slammed the door in my face. 
So, so this is how long is it when she makes the first call to when the house explodes? Do it's you know? right. She I mean, smells gasoline. Yeah, I remember. It's that. like within as minutes. Soon as yeah, she said and then that, it blows, and then she calls back. When speaks was uh, yeah. Happens. As soon as she said gasoline, that's when he should have dispatched right then. Shit. Here you go. Debris was removed from Charlie's body using a hand trowel and broom. He was photographed and turned over. The exposed part of his body was red, burned, and blistered. A lot of his skin had burned away, and his left arm was mostly gone. The back of his skullcap was missing. They placed Charlie in a white cloth, and then the sheriff's deputy tenderly lifted Charlie into his arms and carried him outside. When investigators returned to the room, they found a hatchet bent by heat and two knives on top of the mattress where Charlie had been. They were photographed and packed as evidence. So he killed them before he blew them up. No, he didn't. He just bashed them in the head. They actually died of smoke inhalation with their heads bashed in, if you want to read this. Brayden was face down with a lot of debris from the fire covering him. They removed debris from his body and took photographs. As they were turning him over, they saw chop marks on the back of his neck. Like Charlie, Brayden was missing part of his skull. Brayden, too, was also placed in a white cloth and gently carried outside in the arms of the deputy. The boys were still alive when the fire began because soot was found in their lungs and esophagi. After striking the boys with the hatchet and laying them side by side on the mattress, Josh poured the mixture of gas and ethanol on them. Since they were still breathing, some went down their throats. And Jen, you can read this. This is from Susan Powell. This is from her journal. I love my boys. I live for them. Susan Powell, handwritten last will and testament, June 28th, 2008. So that's the uh, story. I also, well, that is an ending that should not have fucking happened. Well, I also have pictures of the kids here. If you guys want to see. Yeah, this story is, I told you, would it not piss you off? Yeah. The whole thing about the custody. Why do you think I kept going into it? You know, these are the kids. Oh, my God. They're so sweet. Oh, my gosh. So, follow-up questions. Did anything happen to the to the brothers who were possibly involved in the body? Like, did any justice get served at all? Literally no justice. The only did justice... the fucking police and the dispatchers get fired for their incompetence? I mean, what do you want me to say? I mean, Steve I was hoping was that imp- there'd be some sort of like the brother who helped. Did they find the body? Did they find? They um... never found the body. No. Has Steve spoken out after? Well, Steve, after is, Steve this? is dead. Oh, did someone cut him? No, but I wish. Oh, I missed my opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> he actually died pretty I mean, recently. It, it seems like there's still a brother that you could go and. Michael, the one with the body in his car, the police questioned him several times. Shannon can go do it. She's up in Pialop. They said that he was the accomplice of Susan, but nothing. Happened. I am so angry. <laughs> there's, I nothing wor- there's nothing worse than a story where kids get killed, especially like this. Stephen Powell was released from prison on July 11th, 2017, after serving a total of seven years for voyeurism and child pornography convictions. What? He dies of natural causes in Tacoma, Washington, July 23rd, 2018. 
So that is the case. You know what the worst part there is? There is zero justice in anything here. Well, the, the worst part is, yeah, is that... The, 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 uh, the Cox family did sue... The police? The police, yeah. Good. In March 2015, Chuck Cox won a protracted court battle with Teresa and Alina Powell over control of Susan's estate, which, you know, probably wasn't much. I can't even believe that was a question. I mean, dude... The visitation rights. I can't. We need. I can't believe this needs to be some sort of new law. Okay, if the dad is caught with fucking rugrat porn on his computer, he doesn't get any visitation rights. Murder case. Not just father. Anyone. Anyone. Legal guardian. Anyone. If the kids are malnourished, if the fucking father, they there was blood in the fucking house, and the police never even released that. They were still quote building their case. I'm jerking off my wiener. Hopefully he'll admit it for some fucking reason. Are you fucking high? You let this guy get away with murder. Not only that, he killed his fucking two kids because of your fucking incompetence. You, the psychologist, Dr. Manley. Oh, he's all right. He just needs to adjust some stuff. He's fine. Oh, don't worry about that rugrat porn. It's all right. You know, he'll get over it. He just likes to jerk off the little kids. Yeah, you can bring these little kids with him. It's fine. (laughs) I mean, there's so fuck many people. this guy. There's so many. Yeah, it's just it's it's a, fucked up. Yeah. I mean, Susan warned of all of this. Yeah. He murdered his wife and his children. They actually found his body close to the back door. They think he was trying to escape. <gasps> he probably fucking was that fucking cunt face. <gasps> oh my gosh! Oh shit! <laughs> you are mad. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I'm also mad, so it's okay. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Apologies. Uh, thanks a lot, Stacy, for your story. <laughs> no more requests. We've hit a new low. No, I'm just kidding. No more requests. I'm done. <laughs> Back to mutilator. I... <laughs> Back to Japanese torture and mutilations. <laughs> I mean, there, the, the, like the, just the lack of justice. I hope the... I don't know if the the suing of the police department has yielded anything yet, but <laughs> no. I mean that's just terrible. No, it's nothing, dude. Nothing's came of this. They need to at least fucking work out the visitation laws. This guy had fucking rugrat and Family Guy porn, dude. I don't give a shit if it's child molestation or not. I wouldn't want. Any kid hanging out with a yep. father that has fucking family guy and beast porn. <laughs> what the fuck? How is that a question? What kind of sexual psychologist is this guy? Dr. Manley. He needs to be fucking manhandled. Mm-hmm. He needs to fucking lose his goddamn license. Yeah. Uh, there's your story. <laughs> Good for it. I'm really upset. Um, that was. What did you think it was going to happen? I well, didn't uh, think that was going to happen. He's a family annihilator. That's what happens. The kids were suffering from hatchet wounds to their skull. Both of them had parts of their skull missing, and they were still alive because there was soot in their esophagus, which means they died of breathing in smoke after being chopped in the head with a hatchet. And then Josh tries to run out. The only good thing about this case is that Josh died. Mm-hmm. And he didn't even suffer as painful of death as his kids. Yeah. Or probably his wife. Mm-hmm. So, 
That's why if you have a shitty boyfriend or a husband, you should fucking leave him. And yeah. if you don't, be glad that you're single sometimes. So that was a request from our Taco Supremo and good friend Stacy. Thank you so much for that lovely and very depressing story. If yeah, you, thanks for that, Stacy. If you would like to request your own story for me to do, go to talkmurder.com, hit the support tab, pay me $47, and I'll send you a T-shirt and some stuff, and I'll cover your story. It's a one-time fee. We don't do any recurring charges or anything like that so once you're in the cult you're in for life i guess i'll remove the word comedy from our genre (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) all right if you enjoyed this episode be sure to hit that subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you use if you like this story you can follow us on social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our Mormon, go to talkmurder.com slash join. Become a Talco Supremo. Get a badass t-shirt, sticker, swag, a lot of love. Shout it out all over the place. Tell me what story you want me to do. I'll research it and dedicate it to you right here on the Talk Murder to Me podcast. My name is John here with Jen and Nicole. And until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people.